Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And I'm stuck. He's making cut with his Odyssey. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Three, it's almost there. Right out, away we go. Max Verstappen getting off the line, but it's a good start by Norris. A very good start. Lando Norris leads. Piastri's trying to take second, but Max Verstappen around the outside. But it is Lando Norris who leads from Max Verstappen in second place. And Piastri now having to defend from Charles Leclerc as Hamilton goes very, very wide and loses a bunch of places. Yeah, Hamilton's lost out. Russell's gained one place in the Mercedes as well on those softs, but what a start from Norris. Just got the drive. Verstappen's lost the lead. Did well to hold on to second but Piastri is so close down to Brooklands. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Verstappen being a little cautious. He Can knows he's it? got a rapid car. Wow, I mean Piastri was just as quick off the line as Norris. He just had nowhere to go as he tries to make it work around. I could listen to that all day. My heavens. Dan Jimenez, <laughs> Alex Curie, it is Mode Push, an American view of F1. Welcome to the podcast where we break down all things F1 and of course uh, we had a big one to break down from this weekend and you just heard the highlights there. Everyone absolutely shocked one that you had two mclarens right on the uh on the front and second row anyway so brilliant qualifying by these guys but one one lap is different than a whole dang race and certainly a start next to max verstappen dan you must have just been and i think you and i exchanged a text and you were like i played that highlight because in that very moment you said you were yelling at your tv oh man the last time i yelled at my tv during an F1 race was when uh, the last lap of the 2021 championship yes. went back to Scott around Lewis. That was the last time I was yelling at my TV, but I definitely Sunday morning when Lando got that start and Max wasn't catching him, I think for the first solid two laps, I I think I just yelled, come on Lando over and over again. It was, it was great. The, <laughs> just the energy that that start of that race brought and really the whole race was fantastic. Hadn't felt that in a while. So, I mean, in the end you get kind of a, 
a, a very different podium just for the sake of McLaren being in that second spot. Uh, four races ago, Lando was basically throwing his entire team. Dis- I mean, and decidedly so, you should. Like, these guys signed him up for a long-term deal. The car they gave him was garbage, it seemed like, this year. And you have this new rookie who's coming in, uh, Oscar Piastri, and he's not getting a good shot either because, you know, you just don't have a good piece of equipment. The upgrades, we hear it every week. Oh, we're bringing upgrades, bringing upgrades. Holy cow, did they work. And the advantage of not having very many low-speed corners, obviously, because they they feel like that their low-speed corners are no good because they are still talking about that. But Silverstone provides like a perfect environment for those McLarens and to get a second and fourth. And really, Piastri would have been – it was a gift podium to to, uh, to Lewis Hamilton because of that uh, safety car, the, the the virtual safety car that gets turned into the, to the real safety car. It ruined it for, uh, for Oscar. It would have been his first. And certainly he would have had enough pace to stay ahead of, uh, of, of Lewis, I would have thought. so. Um, but overall, just an insane weekend for them. And across the board, guys like Alex Albon. And we were so close to double points from Williams. What did Sargent end up in? Oh, see 11? 11th. Yeah, see? Yeah. I'm telling you. Yep. We were right there. And the speed of that Williams, I mean, shocking. That overtake by Alex Albon when Checo had just gone past, I think it was Sainz or was it Leclerc, uh, one of the Ferraris. And it was, and obviously yeah. the Ferrari was all messed up because he'd just gotten passed by Checo, going, "Oh, I'm going to battle this." And Albon just goes, "Peace, I'm I'm here too," and just scoots right past him. I was over the moon because it was just a a race where now the regulations, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like are starting to take a little bit hold here to where it's evening things out. And so you, these midfield teams, and we saw it in qualifying, there were there was so much less time between everybody from uh, 1st to 20th, I think. And so I'm hoping that that's the regulations doing their job and not just a one-off here at Silverstone. Yeah, I mean, this season is the most dramatic fight for second place we've ever seen. It's like, I it's from week to week. I mean, two, three weeks ago, we would have said, oh, like um, Ferrari is clear, clearly the number two team. And then now we're like, well, now it's McLaren. And it just has ebbed and flowed throughout the season. Um, and the gap is closing to, to, to Max. Like Max had to drive that car to the limit to get it a three-second you know, time delta uh, win over Norris. That's the closest race it feels like we've had all season. Um, it's, I, I agree with you that, that it's finally starting to – all the regulations – all the wind tunnel time restrictions for Red Bull, I think it's all starting to come to play. And I mean, whatever change McLaren made, I don't know if if they hit the copy paste button on the Aston Martin uh, and Red Bull design, but Mika Hakkinen called it. And I think, oh, we all thought he was a little bit crazy when he said, you know, uh, McLaren will be challenging Red Bull for wins before the end of the season. And the next week they were ch- challenging for the win. It's uh, yeah. it's really cool to see. I mean, listen. Max is incredible. Like that, that was uh, quite the drive, and 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 you could see too. Like he hasn't had to make that kind of effort really all season long, and he had to do it for that first, even just the first twenty seconds of the race. You could tell it was almost like you could feel that he was, oh dang it! Like how am I not just able to whiz right past these guys? And I mean, obviously the Red Bull is still quick. It's still the quickest. They still have the advantage on people. But it's not much, and and it's kind of a bummer because at the same time, like all these upgrades have started to happen, and then suddenly Aston Martin starts to go the other direction too. The uh, the uh, Fernando Alonso hype train has uh, hit the has hit the wall, 
And, you know, at the same time, but you have teams like Williams who are creeping up. Uh, McLaren, who obviously is like their whole their whole season could have just changed uh, over this last weekend. I mean, they, they could they could do enough work now and to watch the Ferraris finish ninth and 10th and to go, oh, my goodness, they might be faster than the Aston Martin. They might be faster than the uh, Ferraris. They're probably faster than the Mercedes. Everybody was talking about how fast they were, especially in that straight line speed. So, I mean, we might have just flipped this whole thing on its head. I, I, I don't know how much time is – I mean, how many – we're only halfway through the season here, but uh, certainly more than enough time yeah. for uh, for McLaren or anybody else, for that matter, to make some insane moves. Yeah, we're 10 races into what is now a 22-race season, I think, with the, the two cancellations we've had. Uh, so, yeah, there's absolutely time for McLaren to – uh, make a run up the board. I mean, they scored more points on Sunday than they had scored uh, so far the entire year. And, you know, you, you keep hammering away at top five finishes. Um, they could leapfrog everybody else. And gosh, what a story that would be if we're at the end of the year and McLaren finished second and they're making a run uh, against Red Bull for next year. Cause yeah, like we've been talking all year, like does Lando think about getting out of that contract? And I mean, what a difference two races makes. Um, it's uh, it's really cool to see. And obviously the the gains from Williams are exciting. I just was pulling for Logan to get that points finish. I mean, we need to look up the stat, but it's been decades upon decades upon decades since an American has scored a point right. in Formula One. And we're so close now. <laughs> Think um, about how I don't wild know. that is. He finished three and a half seconds behind the Ferrari in 10th. I mean, that's, yeah. that's amazing for him. It's super embarrassing for Ferrari. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in the end, he didn't win any points, but uh, I, I was really excited that he and, and you know he made that pass on Valtteri. I think in the last lap and a half, because uh, he was in twelfth and thirteenth, kind of in the, those last five laps, and so he's doing work all the way to the end. There, it has to be encouraging for them. Uh, dogs of the race because we had some DNFs. A car blew up. K Mag's uh, Haas blew up, and uh, much to good, much to uh, Gunter Steiner's uh, chagrin. Esteban Ocon's uh, uh, and Pierre Gasly's cars both petered out. This could be as about as much of a disaster for Alpine as you could have had all year. Oh, yeah. They were definitely the flop of, of this race weekend, and Alpine's got to get their act together. Ocon had a hydraulics issue, so reliability, and then Gasly got just creamed by Stroll, who went on the inside and hopped over the curb and broke his right rear <laughs> suspension arm. So bad luck on Gasly's part, but also – um, yeah, should he be tangling that far back with Lance Stroll in the first place? And then Magnuson's engine failure, it feels like we've, uh, we had a Hulkenberg engine failure last race, um, or something was up. Uh, and those Ferrari engines just don't seem to have the reliability, um, that the other engines on the, on the field had. And, and when Magnuson had his engine fire, like I immediately said, safety car, like this is a full safety car. There's not an obvious area. He stopped on the track. He didn't pull off the track. I just didn't see a way that they were going to be able to run that under virtual safety car. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of sucked that Piastri uh, got pulled in and then got caught out when they did throw the full safety car and Hamilton was able to leapfrog him because it seemed like an obvious full safety car to me. But what do I know? <laughs> I mean, we were when it happened and I just saw the virtual safety car go up. I went, oh, shoot. Well, that's not the same. And then when they pulled the trigger and finally did it, you go, oh, those poor guys who stayed out, you know, and ended up getting hosed on that thing. One of them was, uh, was of course, Oscar Piastri, who was – and I look at the rookie, Oscar Piastri. I look at uh, Logan Sargent. Wow. You said a dog of a weekend, maybe the worst weekend for Pierre Gasly and, uh, and Esteban Ocon from that Alpine team. But I think as of today, we can decide – we have decidedly made it uh, that Nick DeVries had the worst weekend 
mm-hmm. they felt like at Alpha Tower it was enough of a bad weekend. Breaking news today: Nick DeVries is no longer in a seat uh, on the F1 grid, and uh, that Alpha Tower team is down a driver. Yuki Sonoda still in the other seat, and uh, enter the reserve driver most likely. I don't think we've actually seen it, but I think it's kind of de facto it's happening. But Danny Rick is going to be in that it's Alpha on, Tauri. Yep, it's on the front page of FormulaOne.com right now. Um, it's Danny Rick. Uh, I mean, what a moment made in Netflix, you know. <laughs> they just are going to eat this up, right? As like the whole premise of Drive to Survive is, you know, guys losing their seats. Some drama, yeah. And uh, yeah, and Danny Rick is like the the franchise face for, for that series. So it's going to be very interesting to see how quick Danny Rick is out of um, the gate. He did the um, he drove the tire test for Red Bull after the race. So yesterday, so he has time on track in the Red Bull this year. Um, he hasn't had any track on time, to my knowledge, in the Alpha Tauri. So that'll be make for an interesting comparison. But does he come out of the gate and immediately, um, you know, put distance between himself and Yuki, or does it does he just show that? no matter who the driver is, it's a terrible car because DeVry only finished two seconds behind Yuki in the race. Right. And so, Yuki I mean, was, they, both I mean, the, they were, they were definitely both last, you know, uh, except for the DNFs. So that's what I'm wondering is, is did they, I don't know, with helmet Marco and, uh, and the whole Red Bull senior and junior teams, you just get the idea that they, there's no such thing as patience with them. Like whatever their version of a timeline is, it's always been different from what kind of traditional thoughts are, but I mean, the kid's only been it. He's been in for the. He's been in the seat for less than half of a season, and I. I just think that uh, I. I think a lot of people will look at this and say they pulled the trigger too early. What do you think? Uh, I think that the other element here is Sergio Perez. You're looking at having to make a decision around Sergio. Is he still the number two driver at Red Bull, and is this a chance to test uh, Danny Rick out for this season to see does he have it in him to? Um, to maybe outpace Sergio. Uh, and so then the other driver is their development driver, Liam Lawson, I think is his name. You got to make a decision around that guy too. So I just feel like that the writing was on the wall for DeVry. And uh, now's the time to test out Danny Rick to see if he could potentially replace Sergio next year in Red Bull. Or do you just make the decision that, okay, uh, we want, we're not going to sign Danny Rick to a, like a, a full year, um, uh, driving stint, and he's just really uh, kind of sitting in right now to help the team right. develop. Well, uh, it's and, a, and it's at least a cheap tryout, right? I mean, in the end, it's yeah. uh, it's something that they can go, hey, uh, that worked out great for us because we could we could uh, ditch Devry, who uh, again, like I said, a lot of times these rookies and out of out of the rookies at, at Alpha Tauri, I think you could make the argument that Yuki, I mean, he's made the, the he's made a, a giant leap from last year to this year, um, but. Yeah. They could have made the same exact decision two years ago. They weren't that necessarily. I mean, I think he scored points in his first in his first race, but the car was stronger. This car's not good. That's why, like, I think people look at that and they go, they should not expect. It's only going to be between he and Yuki. That's going to be what they're looking at, right? Because this car is not a good car. Uh, everything points right. to Alpha Tower going. Look, we're just going to kind of start over. Red Bull's like, we're not even going to call you Alpha Tower anymore. You're going to be Microsoft, <laughs> whatever. You're going to be. I don't know what you're going to be, but. We are just going to basically put everything that we have and show you what we have, and then you guys can make that. Fine. We're going to move your stuff here, and the two teams can be successful that way. But this year, it's a dog. That car is a dog. So I don't know if Danny Rick is going to get a fair shake necessarily on this. Yeah, it feels like it's just part of a bigger reset button push uh, and 
preparation for 2024. And so you just cut bait on debris and then you get what you can out of uh, Ricardo in terms of developments um, with him having seat time in the current Red Bull and, in, you know, prior top performing teams. And just that's just part of your development plan for next year. And you just don't think that, you know, Danny Rick's not going to be our driver next year. Maybe it's another rookie that we take another swing out if it's not debris, but you just try to make as many gains in the last six months of the season as you can. So there's the giant news. You have, uh, you know, the Silverstone race was. This is part. This is a. This has been a great week because, like you said, I mean, it's not. Nobody wants to see somebody lose their job, uh, and and Red Bull could be accused of not being, uh, of not of not giving people a fair shake or whatever. They they've played musical drivers for years, and sometimes their decision making is is super weird, and and it's fine, whatever. Uh, but they have Max, and so they can always look like, hey, we're we're still pretty smart over here because we have. Uh, a good car, thanks to Adrian Newey, and then we have Max Verstappen. So we have two people that will, if you're there in your garage, you're probably going to be you know, a world champ as it is because I think that if Max alone, based on his points, wouldn't he be like 60 points clear of every team just by himself? Yeah. Yeah, Insane. he's winning the Constructor Championship on his own right By himself, now. and that's a massive gut punch for Checo <laughs> because then you go, <laughs> oh, I guess he didn't even need me. And we didn't even talk about Checo. Uh, oh my great gosh. drive, not nine places up. Who cares though when you can't string together a good weekend? Uh, you can't put qualifying together. You, fighting through the field is not impressive every week. It just shows that you can't qualify near where your teammate is. Yeah, we're four or five consecutive races of him not making Q one. It's crazy. And you know, in uh, Austria, he got up uh, into the podium. So, you know, still quote unquote worked out, but, uh, you know, he only got up to sixth in this race. And I mean, that's meaningful. Uh, those are meaningful points. And so, yeah, he's gosh, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, you know, it was a weird qualifying session because in Q3, uh, or I guess in Q1, it rained and then the track dried up and everyone ran out on one, you know, a one lap flyer to get their best time. And he was the first car out onto the pit lane and he sat on the pit lane for a super long time waiting to go out. And it seems like that was a disadvantage to him. Uh, but I think Lando was the second out on the pit lane and he still like uh, was like top two or top three for right. that session. So it, there's still something about Sergio where he just wasn't able to put it together. And I mean, he knows it more than anybody. And uh, I mean, now he sees it. Okay. DeVry just got canned. Like I got to be on my game here going forward because now the attention is going to turn to him. So the schedule now turns to Hungary. Uh, I don't know much about what the change is going to be. I've, you know, when you see Lando Norris finish second and then they go, yeah, it's great, but we have, we're terrible in low speed corners. So we're going to be, so then I think, okay, so you're not going to be good rest of the year or what, what's going to be the next race where they show up and, and, uh, and do something special because the string of a bunch of podiums with, uh, with Aston Martin seemed to have dried up uh, at least uh, in the last uh, you know, three out of the last four, uh, they haven't been on the podium, and so, uh, but do can we expect to see some more of a mix-up here at uh, at Hungary? Because uh, I don't know, I don't know what to expect out of that track. Tell us a little bit about what we can see, maybe, and and if we can see these teams continue to develop. Yeah, uh, Hungary is a cool track. Um, I like it a lot because it's it reminds me of like a go kart track in that it's just a lot of twisty, low speed corners and medium speed corners, but uh, none of the super high downforce stuff or no like big long straights. So um, earlier in the season, Alonso had kind of made the prediction that they would be um, they would be at their best at that track in terms of um, uh, challenging the Red Bulls 
and the Red Bull obviously really uh, shines in uh, the super high speed tracks. And so I think what we'll see is maybe uh, 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 Alonzo and Aston Martin uh, with a bit of a resurgence. And we'll see if the upgrades that some McLaren brought still uh, work in this uh, kind of lower speed setting. And then there's also the variability with rain. I think it was a few years ago that Ocon won his race in the rain uh, or during a rainy race uh, at the Hungaro ring. So I think it'll be another just toss up of uh, who um, is going to be on the podium with uh, the probably closing the Delta down to Red Bull's advantages the most of any race we've been at so far. Who won the weekend overall and you can't pick Max or McLaren after that, who else was super impressive at Silverstone this week? Oh, I was going to pick Lando because I just, the, the vibes from him all weekend were just so much fun. But if I can't pick him or Oscar, uh, Williams, a uh, great showing, especially through the practice sessions and qualifying. Uh, and then, you know, George Russell and then Lewis Hamilton, I think we, we had been ta- dogging on Mercedes uh, after Austria, but I think they both had, uh, they got the most that they could have out of that race with Russell starting on the stops. It was really interesting to see him come up through the field uh, after not an awesome qualifying session. And he basically all the ground that he made up during the race, he made in those first 10 laps on those soft tires. And then Hamilton, uh, you know, kind of lucky out with the safety car, but being able to hold off Piastri. Um, and man, I just would have loved to have seen uh, what would have happened if McLaren had put on softs instead of hards for that last stint? And that's Lando, what everybody was Lando wishes that do. Lando wishes he could see that too. He he still is wondering yeah. about that. But those hard tires, to their credit, uh, they hooked up once they started going. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, they worked, and I guess that's just a tribute to McLaren knowing their car better than anybody else, and knowing like, hey, they're new tires versus you know scrubbed softs. And our car just uses the tires up a ton and it, we might get off to a super fast start, but then the rest of the field who can manage their tires better would catch up to us on the soft. So um, hindsight 2020, but uh, would have loved to have seen if, because I wanted, you know, Norris to challenge Max and it felt like once Max was on softs and Norris was on hards, then like that was it. There wasn't going to be a change for the lead. So um, say lobby. We'll, you know, in another universe, we'll find out what happened in that race. <laughs> uh, okay. My goodness, uh, hungry in two weeks or a week and a half, I guess. And so this is about as fun of an episode as we've been able to do in a long time, considering that we have, you know, uh, a couple of races. Uh, we have most of the season still ahead of us. If we have a little glimmer of hope, even I, I love that it's before the, uh, the, the summer break, too, because if we were going into the summer break and we still might get, you know, uh, Red Bull winning out until uh, until that happens, until the summer break. But I think that the reality is is that everybody is taking a lot of uh, heart to the fact that this thing could get a little bit closer. And you can see teams – I mean, my heavens, I'm looking at the constructor standings right now. How weird is it to see Williams in seventh place and with and with so double-digit points next to their name? Like, that's that's insane. I mean, Haas is right there, too. They're tied for points, but uh, Williams has uh, kind of an overall uh, higher finishes for the, rest, for the rest of the season there. But uh, Logan Sargent making the most of it, too. Alex Albon – if it because at, Logan Sargent could be the next Nick DeVry if he if he was seventeenth this weekend, right? And 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 Alex is a tough mm-hmm. is a tough teammate to have because he he's probably gonna outdrive him. But to Logan Sargent's credit, whatever it is, all the studying he's done, all the sim time that he's done, all of that, 
he's uh, kept mostly pace with his teammate, and so he just keeps uh, getting a little bit better. So cross our fingers for an American points finish at some point this year, Dan. It's going to happen. I'm calling it now. Logan will finish in the points this year. Okay. First American uh, in, what is it? What did we say? 60 years or something like that? 50 years? We'll we'll look up the stat, but it's at least 30 or 40. Boy, we're an embarrassment to the racing world, these Americans. All right. (laughs) For Dan Jimenez, I'm Alex Curie. We will be back again next week, and we will uh, break down for you a preview of the Hungaro ring race there, the Hungarian GP Really excited for the rest of this thing. Dan, thanks for hanging out today and uh, appreciate it. Thanks for giving the, giving us the breaking news. And, uh, man, we'll see how Danny Rick does. We'll talk to you next week, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.